Thank you for listening to CFB Talks Digital Assets. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. It is not intended, nor should it be considered an invitation or inducement to buy or sell any of the underlying instruments cited, including, but not limited to, crypto assets, financial instruments, or any instruments that reference any index provided by CF Benchmarks Limited. This recording is not intended to persuade or incite you to buy or sell a security or securities noted within. Any commentary, interviews, and discussions are opinions only and should not be considered a personalized recommendation. Please contact your financial advisor or professional before making any investment decision. Some of the underlying instruments cited within this recording may be restricted to certain customer categories in certain jurisdictions. You're listening to CFB Talks Digital Assets, the home of informed conversation about crypto for institutions building the future of finance, presented by CF Benchmarks. I'm Ken O'Delaga, Head of Content, and I'm joined by Gabe Selby, our Lead Research Analyst. Guys, you are joining us at a particularly fortuitous time because we've just conducted the end of the reconstitution and rebalances. We are an index company, after all. We provide regulated benchmark indices for the crypto industry. And of course, when we sort of do these quarterly rebalances, what do we do after that? Uh, the indices change, and we also have the opportunity then to uh, do further analyses in-house on how these rebalances and potential reconstitutions can change the marketplace and the outlook for the marketplace of the digital asset sphere. And there's no better person, no better qualified person as well, literally, to actually talk us through that than uh, Gabe Selby, our in-house uh, lead research analyst. So Gabe, after having gone through that exercise, can you give me your top takeaways from uh, the most recent uh, quarterly attribution analysis? Yeah, absolutely. And hey, everybody. Uh, thanks, Ken. Yeah, this is a pretty extensive exercise that we do here at CFB, and it really allows all the practitioners you know, in the institutional space to the retail space to get a deeper understanding of what's driving performance in our portfolio indices. So unfortunately, what I have to report is, you know, that I think the bears really remained in control over the last quarter. So all of our flagship indices finished the rebalance period in negative territory. Um, it's about what you would expect when we had such a pronounced exogenous shock, such as FTX fallout, which really, I think, shook a lot of folks and a lot of confidence in the market. So it's very typical that you get these kind of cycles, right? where you have such strong performance in crypto in the previous year, a lot of leverage gets put into the system. And once you know the tides turn on the macro side, you begin this deleveraging exercise and it's creating kind of this cascading impact that has a ripple effect. And every time you see another big player you know, fail or collapse, that tends to kind of readjust the pricing for digital assets lower, which is coming at a very interesting time when we consider um, what we're seeing in the macro side, which is slightly encouraging. So we're starting to see, you know, hopefully inflationary pressures have peaked and markets tend to look, you know, into the future. And that's going to start, I think, pricing in an eventual pivot or change in the monetary policy dynamic. So that overall is kind of something that's very supportive on the macro side. But then on the micro side, we're seeing, you know, continued kind of headwinds. So this is kind of that limbo that I've talked about in the attribution report that investors are facing right now. And as far as some key takeaways, I think what was really interesting to see is 
the Ethereum Bitcoin kind of dominance that we saw is, is taking a break. So um, in the previous quarter, we had the announcement of the, the merge. So that created a lot of hysteria and that really lifted Ethereum um, up compared to its big uh, brother Bitcoin. That took a break this last quarter. And I think what you can do to, to kind of analyze this a little bit further is you can take a kind of like a broad-based crypto index, something like our CF diversified large cap index, and we can study the volatility of it. So if you take something like the rolling 10-day volatility measure, and you can see these volatility spikes whenever we see some exogenous shock. And that always tends to drive that ratio of relative performance between Ethereum and Bitcoin a, a little lower. So um, it's something that we saw this past quarter. I would say as we see volatility kind of sub subside, it wouldn't be you know out of the question to kind of see that ratio kind of bounce around and kind of be like a pendulum swinging back and forth. So that, that's kind of like an interesting takeaway is to always study the relationship of the relative performance between the two largest cryptocurrencies. So if you can just give me a top line summary of where we are right now with that uh, 10-day rolling volatility, where are we at this moment? Yeah, so it's important to, I think, do the, the statistic on as broad of a brush as you can. So we really like to use a CF diversified large cap index until we get like a, a broader you know, index in the future. That volatility measure, you we typically see it spike pretty high. And with this last FTX fallout, we saw that 10-day um, rolling volatility annualized jump up all the way around 140%. Now it's since kind of dropped back below the 40% level. And whenever that is occurring, you typically do get some reprieve on the Ethereum Bitcoin ratio. So you start to see things price less defensively. Remember, as you're going into the fallout, you see more defensive uh, price performance with Bitcoin outperforming. And then as you come out of it, you start to see some some retracement with the pendulum swinging back in favor for Ethereum. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, I think at this stage, it's not a bad idea for us to look a little bit at some prices. We are CF Benchmarks, the leading regulated cryptocurrency benchmark administrator. We provide um, indices that are used by institutions around the world to settle risk and do all sorts of other institutional investment activities and institutional capital markets activities. A key benchmark that we can actually mention right now is, of course, uh, Solana, which, of course, um, as everyone pretty much knows by now, is somewhat unfortunately intertwined with the FTX Al Alamedia ecosystem. So I'll give a price check for this now out of interest. Our Solana USD real-time index trading at $13.56, down 1%, clearly kiboshed severely over the last um, several weeks. And um, not a huge amount of sign for recovery, although some of the themes that Gabe has been mentioning may present some notion of a, sort of the underpinnings that it could enable it to recover in the medium term. And then, of course, the, the OG, our Bitcoin real-time index, a CNBCF Bitcoin real-time index, a 16,924.79, up a little bit today, 0.3%, sort of chump change, of course. Again, a similar story to round out the trilogy, Ether US dollar real-time index, a CMECF Ether US dollar real-time index, trading at $1,250.15, up 1%. These are the sort of preeminent indices that have been in focus over the last um, several weeks, mostly because there are, are flagships, but also, of course, with the Solana relating to the, um, the FTX debacle. So, Gabe, you did mention just then some potentially positive macroeconomic maybe some fundamental influences coming into play that could actually provide a little bit of 
solace or relief for the markets um, maybe around the corner. Do you want to drill into any of those themes a little bit? Yeah, so yeah, again, from the macro side, you'll typically see any any of these risky assets, including cryptocurrencies, really like economic data that's supportive of an eventual Fed pivot. So when you think about what investors are concerned about, it's not just the level of rate hikes and 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 the policy rates going up to you know a certain level, like let's say five percent, but it's also I think the duration. So whenever you kind of see these glimmers of hope of a potential pivot in the direction of the Federal Federal Reserve's hiking regime and, and a pause and a potential pivot to the downside, you start to see, I think, markets start to price that in rather quickly. So that's what we've seen um, you know, in other asset classes. And if it wasn't for the industry-specific fallout of FTX, I would you know, be confident in anticipating that that would have impacted uh, the crypto space in a more bullish fashion than it did. So, Sure, sure. And um, in terms of the performance, going back a little bit to the quarter, um, you did mention briefly scaling and information. These are, well, scaling is obviously um, a very, very important uh, layer of the sort of like um, a blockchain economy um, that has an important influence on assets that are sort of existing in that economy. How would you actually say that scaling presented itself as a little bit more defensive this quarter than, than perhaps um, in the previous quarters? Yeah, I mean, it's it's fair to say that the scaling category was relatively supportive uh, in, in the index uh, performance overall. But when you take a deeper look, and that's what our attribution reports allow us to do, is you can kind of see that everything was pretty much broadly negative. Now, you do have some micro stories that impact uh, you know some specific tokens that achieve some positive things like either strategic partnerships or announced an upgrade to their protocol. Um, so in, in these examples, you, you have you know Matic, which is Polygon's uh, native token, and this is a scaling solution, which has garnered a lot of strategic partnership interest. The JP Morgan thing, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, it was used for that. Um, it's garnered a lot of partnership interest because with scaling, when we think about ETH 2.0, so this is a post-merge Ethereum switching to proof of stake, it's basically allowing you know for the scaling solutions to really uh, open up that bandwidth to where you can get a lot more real world use cases building on the Ethereum network. And Matic, this past quarter, as as you were kind of hinting at, you know, did something pretty significant, which it achieved kind of a, a milestone for the DeFi community. The Singapore Central Bank has pilot blockchain, a, a sort of a digital assets uh, scheme, you know, proof of concept cut type thing, and they decided to. Uh, really yeah. few. They've been doing this a number of years. It's the central bank's DeFi pilot program. Yeah. And what they did is they worked together with um, a few other international banks, JP Morgan being one of them, and they tokenized um, an FX swap between two currencies on a public blo- blockchain, which was uh, Maddox blockchain. So here we have like the first, I think, real world use case of a more traditional asset class being tokenized and transacted on the public blockchain, which I was- I thought cryptos had no real world use. And that's a common thing that I think a lot of critics like to point out. There's, you know, this this cohort that always likes to point out, you know, crypto doesn't have these real world use cases. Well, now we have, I think, a feather to add to our cap because this is a pretty significant milestone. If you think about the future and if you extrapolate out, you know, the technology that we're dealing with here, it's, it's feasible to see that, you know, any asset class, whether it's equities, fixed income to real estate, 
being tokenized and put on a public, public blockchain just because it's so much more efficient and really just easier really to transfer uh, ownership and it's also more secure. So yeah, it's a big significant milestone there. And I think that in the future, we're just going to kind of continue to see more assets trend over to that that side of the space. Sure. But it's going to be a little while before it feeds sufficiently into the price returns to actually give us a lot of um, sort of like impetus on the upside, right? Well, I mean, markets are so forward looking that it's just really hard to, to gauge the timing. This is why I think if you're an investor in the cryptocurrency space, you want to be diversified. You want to have exposure to a lot of these emerging secular themes that you're seeing in the space because you just won't, it's, it's very difficult to time the market. So whenever you have, you know, news break about something like a milestone like this in the DeFi space using um, a scaling solution like Matic, then you want to, you know, know that you have an allocation to such a token, which is why I think at CFB, we really try to use our digital asset classification structure to identify and classify all these assets in their use cases and then get the appropriate exposure um, through our, you know, free float market cap weighted adjustments to also our diversifying factors to get a little bit more exposure into these smaller underrepresented categories. But that's kind of really important for, I think, a strategic investor in the space. Yeah, absolutely. You want to be an investor, uh, an institutional investor, or just a prudent investor who basically diversifies, um, who does all the prudent and uh, sensible things that you would tend to do as a serious investor, right? Um, we, we help you to provide the tools that to enable uh, anyone to do that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, brilliant, uh, Gabe. Thank you very much indeed. You've been listening to Gabe, our lead research analyst. I'm Ken, head of content. Thanks for listening to another episode of CFB Talks uh, Digital Assets and we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you all. See ya.